and welcome to another episode of Bell Geospaces podcast, A Propensity to Talk Density. If you've been following the series, you'll have seen some of our expert geoscientists and guests discussing their experience of using our gravity gradiometry data for exploration challenges. Um, normally, these shows are run by professional podcast hosts, but we've decided to do a self-hosted spin-off hosted by myself, Julianne Sharples, where I'm going to introduce and spotlight some of our very important teammates here at Bell Geospace. So today I'm joined by my first guest, Andrew Seal. Andrew, please introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about how you found yourself working for Bell Geospace. Uh, hi, uh, uh, my name is uh, Andrew and I'm a field operator with um, Bell Geospace. And in basic terms, I deploy globally with a crew on one of our three aircraft and uh, operate the science equipment and acquire and uh, process the survey data. Um, I had a first career in the Royal Navy um, for 28 years. And then I worked as a field support engineer in the marine seismic survey industry for a couple of years with uh, ION. I then heard about this role and I've been with Bell Geospace for six years. Wow. So um, what does Bell Geospace do? And what's your actual role, your daily role within the company? Okay. Um, so um, we operate uh, three Basler uh, DC-3 conversion aircraft and uh, we conduct low-level um, area, uh, aerial geological surveys deployed globally. Our aim is to map the subsurface density contrasts, and we do that by measuring the changes in uh, local gravity and magnetic fields. Uh, this is done either exclusively for uh, a single client, or can also be done for on a well multi-client basis. Um, my job is to fly and operate the science equipment and acquire and process uh, the survey data. And then that data in turn is then quality controlled and further processed by our office staff and then uh, presented to the client. Um, I'm also heavily involved in the uh, coordinating the, the daily logistics and operations in the field. Sounds like those um, operations are pretty worldwide. You must have been all around the, all around the globe. Uh, I've, I've done a bit of traveling, yeah. Uh, we've operated in uh, many countries around the world. Um, we've conducted onshore and offshore surveys. And there's also a good graphic on our uh, website uh, which shows where we've operated. Um, and some of those have actually been quite challenging environments. Um, for example, myself, I've been in Malaysia when the temperatures have been um, 40 degrees plus, and also Canada um, when it was minus 30 degrees. Um, both of which were good, good fun. Um, we're currently operating in Asia and the Americas. I guess there's both um, perks and probably some challenges to being part of such a, a global operation with what you've described so far. Can you tell me a little bit about? about uh, yeah, that? there is uh, there's challenges with moving aircraft uh, around the world, um, especially recently with the COVID restrictions. But actually, I think it's uh, one of the things that uh, Bell Geospace are really good at. We're uh, we are process-driven, uh, organized, and uh, communicative. Um, once awarded a contract, we have to set up our operations for that. Uh, so we can't, it can be a challenge. There's many processes we need to overcome uh, we, to get the plane and the crew into a country, such as um, immigration, customs, work and flying permits, um, environmental impact assessments, and community engagements uh, as well. But on the positive side, as there's only five of us, it's far easier to manage and risk assess our operations. Um, also because uh, we're totally passive with all our sensors 
and everything's on the airframe, it's a lot easier for us to um, deal, uh, uh, sorry, deal quicker and acquire uh, the data than say in uh, seismic survey. Um, it can be um, hard work with lots of challenges to overcome, but there are some picks to it as well. Um, we only fly about six hours a day maximum. Um, so we do get relaxation uh, each day. Um, we do occasionally end up on in holiday resorts um, uh, locations. So um, there can be like more infrastructure in place uh, to experience. Um, recent examples of that were uh, Sri Lanka and Malaysia, um, which were really enjoyable. Yes, I saw the photographs of your time in Sri Lanka. The hotel looked absolutely incredible. That was something to do with um, the COVID bubbles, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we ended up in a, a really nice hotel. Uh, a lot of the hotels were actually closed. Um, and as you say, we were in a bubble. Uh, well looked after. The hotel was uh, was great. And, uh, you know, it was, it was basically a, a good place to, uh, to work from. Yeah, it looked lovely. Um, and you're quite a fan of the old uh, of the, uh, aircraft as well, aren't you? Yeah, um, the Basler, it's an amazing and uh, iconic aircraft. It's uh, very reliable and a stable platform. And uh, as, as I mentioned before, um, we fly for six hours and uh, it can uh, be, you know, it can operate in many different uh, environments or even runways, uh, for example, grass or even gravel. Uh, and it flies lower and slower. Um, and that's for better data acquisition. Um, on survey, on sorry, on survey, uh, we fly at about 120 knots at approximately uh, 100 meters above ground, um, and we plan our, our gridded surveys in such a way that we're flying smooth um, over changes in altitude and uh, direction to keep that uh, quality of data high. Um, the planes that we have um, were built in 1943, but they've uh, subsequently been renovated and converted by Basler. So they've got new systems uh, and engines installed on there. And they're always a crowd puller where we, wherever we turn up, uh, people are always asking questions, ask, take pictures, and it's, uh, it's nice to sort of like, uh, sh like show the aircraft off. It's amazing. No, it's not just plane spotters either. The, the most recent sub, uh, study in Cornwall was my real first experience of it because, um, you know, it's yeah. local. And uh, we just got so much, so many great photographs for, for me to use yeah. coming in all the time and really, really positive community engagement. So fantastic yeah. to see. So you mentioned there's five of you on a project which makes, yeah. um, you know, day-to-day -day operations easier to manage than some um, some other exploration operations. But um, how is, um, tell me more about who those crew are, what, what are they doing, and tell, tell, tell me about okay. the crew on the project. Um, so there's three there's three crew for the aircraft, and then there's two um, operators. So we have a, um, a captain, um, a first officer, and a ground mechanic. Um, and then on the survey side, we have a field supervisor and uh, an operator. And between us, um, the, the for the operations, we manage the survey equipment along with the daily operations and uh, logistics. And we're typically accommodated um, nearer to the airport. Um, and also that in turn is nearer the survey um, area. Um, when the conditions are good, we, we fly as much as possible. Um, and the best conditions for data acquisition are normally early in the morning when it's little wind, uh, heat or turbulence. and uh, uh, because of that, um, it's always early to bed and early to rise to maximise that. Yeah. And so I guess you're in fairly close quarters for long periods of time with these 
five teammates um, when you're on a project. How, how is that? Are you all friends? Oh yeah, uh, we, uh, we 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 work together uh, very closely, and uh, we know each other well, and uh, we uh, you know we have a good time. Uh, but we also, as I say, work hard uh, together. But we also have our own space and time to recharge our own batteries, and that can be as simple as you know, like going to your hotel room, like going to the gym, or just even going for a, a run or a walk. Um, and also because we've all got our own uh, tasks and jobs to do. Um, we're not always living uh, constantly in each other's pockets. So, for example, uh, the mechanic could be doing maintenance on the plane. Um, the pilots, they could be doing flight planning. And um, the survey guys, uh, myself um, and the operator, we could be doing, um, we could be liaison with the, um, the clients or we could be working on the equipment. Yeah, so you're definitely not all in each other's um, pockets. What's your um, even what's your favourite part of life at Belgium Space? What part um, of the job? Uh, I've actually got uh, several things which are really uh, good and really amazing. Um, I love the travel and being based um, out of many global locations. And quite often uh, we're we're off the beaten track, uh, you know. So you see some amazing um, scenery and. Uh, and also like ferrying the, the aircraft between, between projects. It's hard work, but also good fun. And uh, when we're on location, on survey or operations, actually meeting the people and experience, you know, like the local uh, cultures and food and uh, things like that. And not every day is like the same. There's, there's always something different and there's always a new challenge to overcome. So it keeps us on our toes. Um, and also, as you said before, like flying on a classic plane, uh, seeing th- things up, um, you know, close, uh, amazing scenery as we fly by. And um, one thing I particularly like is it's like a, a multi-level uh, puzzle every day. When you go up and fly, you want to efficiently acquire the, the, uh, the data, but you've also got all the challenges. And that could be things like the weather or flight restrictions. So uh, that again, that keeps you on your toes. Uh, and it keeps you active, but um, you know it's it's good fun. But we've always got to have uh, like a plan B, uh, ready to go at short notice. I suppose after twenty five plus years of operations, we've uh, nailed our plan Bs. We've probably been around the bushes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so plan Cs, plan Bs, yeah. And plan Bs, yeah. But yeah. we always get the job done, don't we? So where where are you cool. off to? Um, where are you off to next? Um, I'm preparing to go to Mexico next. Uh, so. Uh, we've got a multi-client uh, theory there and uh, looking forward to that. I haven't been to Mexico before, so um, I'm really looking forward to going to a new country. Yeah, delicious, delicious food. Um, yeah. So uh, that's pretty much the end of the podcast, but a couple of things sprang to mind as we were going through it. Um, right at the start, you mentioned that you um, you came from a, um, an ex-military background. I was just wondering if you think that's got any transferable advantage um i don't i think we've got quite a few ex-military staff yeah, we, on our yeah, crew we do, we? yeah we've got a few of the crew um ex-military and we're used to that sort of like um all this having to you know um uh, be uh you know adaptable uh we're solutions driven and we're always having to uh you know like overcome challenges uh that come our way uh usually you know we have to do things at uh, short notice and there's you know, like the, the, the plan might have to change and it could be something as simple as like, you know, like weather um, and things like that. Um, but it's great to fall back on my uh, military 
training and experience. Um, and it makes, like for me, it makes it a great fit. Uh, you know, always like doing something different um, and just having to, you know, like overcome, as I said, the, the, uh, all the challenges. Yeah. And I guess also just that discipline um, and attention to detail is, and safety is very important yeah. if you're operating aircraft. So oh, yeah, I imagine totally. that would be a, the discipline yeah. of the military training must must have its advantages. Yeah. Um, another thing that you mentioned that I just wanted to pull to the front for the um, for the sake of the audience is you're talking about getting the data to the client from the field. Um, how quickly does that happen? Um, well, it's a bit of a process. So what we do is in the field, we do a first level uh, processing and then that gets uh, quality controlled and then uh, further processed by the office staff. And um, the typically the, uh, the basic initial results um, can be processed within a day or two, and then that uh, gets um, presented to the client. Um, so, you know, each flight data um, is then processed in turn, um, and then it's combined with the previous um, combination of uh, processed data. So it's always increasing the understanding of that um, project. Um, and imagine it's a bit like having a, like a massive jigsaw puzzle. So um, we're, we're kind of like filling up a jigsaw, um, like line at a time, but um, the client does get to see uh, some of the data uh, within a short period of time. And then obviously we have what we call interim images. Uh, so we provide like further details. And then at the end of the projects, um, they get the, the, the full picture. And they can, um, if they're getting that information as they go, they can, if we're suddenly flying over something that looks of great interest geologically, we can go and we can use that information and go and fill, fill that, do the title yes, line spacing yeah, there. Yeah, totally, yeah. There's been times when they've said, um, when we've been flying around in a, in, a, in a big block and they'll say, the data is amazing, um, but can you actually concentrate on a certain area? Because that looks really good. Uh, so yeah. we are reactive to um, you know the clients and what, what they want. As we said, to making changes and adapting at the last yeah, minute yeah, is yeah. one of our specialities. Um, the other thing I just wanted to ask you about, you were talking about how ferrying was one of your yeah. favorite parts of the job. Um, tell me about maybe your longest ferry, biggest journey. Um, that was a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, again, it was short notice. I had to go and relieve uh, one of the guys uh, who was doing the ferry and I took over the ferry going from uh, Oman to uh, to Canada in the winter. So I had to get myself uh, to uh, Muscat at very short notice, uh, like a couple of days. And it was, uh, that was, that was fun. It was also interesting as well when I pitched up in Muscat, I had a massive bag with our um, cold weather gear. And uh, there's a few sort of like puzzled faces asking, well, why have you got all this cold weather gear when it's like uh, 40 degrees plus uh, outside? But uh, that was all resolved. Oh, I got on the plane and then um, we, uh, we, we ferried. And um, because we're not a jet, um, we can only fly about a maximum of about uh, 200 kilometers an hour. So what we do is we end up taking longer and having to hop across the globe. Um, so on that occasion, um, we first flew to Kuwait um, uh, for a fuel stop, and then we had overnights in uh, Egypt, and then Greece, and then Germany, and then 
uh, we had a field stop in Wick at the top of Scotland, and then uh, overnight in Iceland. But we actually got delayed because of high winds and poor weather getting out. So um, although we were delayed, we had a couple of days, uh, you know, get a chance to see Iceland, which I've never seen before. Um, we then went on to uh, Greenland for a, a fuel stop. And again, that was like minus 35. Uh, so we had the, the, the cold weather gear came in handy. And then uh, we had an overnight in uh, Canada, in northern Canada. Um, and again, we got delayed, but I think it was a day. Uh, for heavy snow, and then finally um, we got onto uh, uh, our, our uh, base in uh, Oshawa, where the aircraft's um, based and, and managed from. Uh, but the whole trip, the whole trip, going from the Middle East, where it was really hot, all the way across um, Europe, uh, over Iceland, Greenland, and then into the Americas, uh, it was an amazing experience. And the, some of the scenery I saw was was fantastic. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, really good. I think the crew were digging themselves out of some snow in Canada just recently, I think. From yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But they, they got on their way and the, the plane arrived where it's meant to yeah. be, I think. Um, well, thank you very much, Andrew. I think it's clear to see yeah. that you're definitely a problem solver here at Belgio. And um, yeah. overcoming challenges is definitely a passion of yours. So yeah. uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a guest, Andrew. And um, thank you. hopefully we'll talk to you again soon.